Welcome to the Amazon Legends Podcast, where we have real stories about making it big on Amazon. Our guests are CEOs of large companies and entrepreneurs who became powerful sellers, also experts specializing in helping sellers, and both former and current Amazon employees who will give us an insight from behind the scenes. Here's your host, Nick Urison. Welcome to another episode of Amazon Legends. Uh, my next guest today comes to the show all the way from Berlin. And um, he spent years in business development. And for whatever reason, he can tell us why, he decided to go into the Amazon space by taking a 50% salary cut. So today he works for the God of all aggregators, Tracio. And uh, he was sharing with me just before we started that one of his brands is doing wonders despite all odds uh, going on today with the marketplace. So he manages the PPC operations for Tarasio. And uh, when he's not working, he's a fan of modern art and music. And to the extent that, you know, he's very passionate about it. So with that, everybody meet my guest, uh, Louis Robert. Uh, welcome to the show, Louis. How are you? I'm great, Nick. Very uh, good. I mean, very glad, sorry, to be on the podcast. Uh, real pleasure and also real honor to be here with you. Thanks for hosting. Thank you. So, you know, you guys are managing several brands and you run the PPC campaigns specifically. So uh, share with us some of your winning strategies. So uh, I'm sure our listeners will benefit from this greatly because when you launch a brand, you need reviews. Reviews come from orders. Orders need reviews. So that catch 22, you break by running an effective PPC campaign. So share with us some PPC strategies uh, that, that get you results despite the fact that you're launching a new listing. Sure. Um, so part of the winning strategy and it's pretty much like kind of bold to say, but it's really to get inside the consumer's mind. So, or so what much does that mean exactly in terms of consumer's mind? Is it the, the target audience or, uh, or you have something else? It's uh, getting indeed so pretty close to uh, the consumer's audience by uh, really making sure that you get a lot of data points before going ahead on the market, yeah. So uh, when you say data points, things obviously become a lot more <laughs> complex. So uh, what, are the, what are the data points that you are specifically monitoring? So just so you know, when we get a, a new brand uh, on the market or from pretty much a, an existing seller, we already have existing data from the, uh, from the existing setup from the seller that we can take over and just replicate with our new integrated process. And we can already have like some information from the existing PPC setup from the seller. Uh, so starting from there, we then afterwards pull some reports. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is, you're referring to an existing Seller Central account that has some advertising history, right? Exactly. So let's break this down into two different scenarios because it's not always the same. So 
let's take the, the clean slate. So let's imagine that you're going to launch and there is no advertising data whatsoever on that new listing that they're about to launch. So uh, walk us through how that rolls out. Sure. Uh, so first thing first, one of my rule of thumb, I mean, since I've started to do this job is really keep it simple and keep it lean. So keep things, you know, keep things simple. Do not go with too much uh, campaigns, with too many campaigns, um, because the more it gets complicated, the more it is to maintain, but also to really get a fresh eye, but also a clear eye on what's going on, but also in terms of maintenance. What does it mean is to go with an auto campaign, with an automatic campaign, of course, set it correctly with different targeting types that you've got. So which is the close match, the substitute, the complement, uh, or the loose match. And also getting a few broad, ma uh, broad match campaigns and exact also keyword targeting campaign that you uh, get directly from the listing research and from a keyword research of your, or from getting some keywords from your competitors with tools like UM10, for example. Mm. I see. So what I'm hearing is, first of all, you have to have keyword research. So you have to have some kind of a strategy in terms of what keywords you are targeting. And you roll out with those on the, on the type of uh, match that you mentioned, which type of match you want to use those on those? So usually, I mean, we go with... I mean, I personally go, I mean, with the classic broad match. So with short tails to make sure to keep the uh, mid funnel and upper funnel quite wide open enough so I can figure it out pretty much what sticks, so to say, uh, with the consumer, what is going to attract most of the clicks, my impressions regarding into my product and how do I fit inside the market with going with those different match types. So then I can segment differently, basically my uh, mm. my funnelization uh, in terms of traffic, but also in terms of the markets and with those different keywords, how do I fit or where do I want to go in terms of the funnel? Okay. So while this broad match campaign is running, you also have an auto match campaign. Exactly. That will get you, it's basically what you're doing is you are honing in on some of the keywords that the company decided to target while also hunting for new ones that that people may search and find you and then click on you, right? And then those ones that will become later your targets to optimize your campaign. Yeah, exactly. Harvesting a lot of keywords uh, with those different match types, yes. Okay, so this is for the scenario where they have no history, no nothing, and they're launching a brand new listing. Okay, so I have a fundamental question here, and I, I would love to hear your take on it because it's a, it's two different approaches. Uh, one is, do you target short tail keywords, which will have a higher search volume and therefore higher bids? Or do you target long tail keywords, but many of them. Uh, tell us what your take on this is, because it's uh, I'm hearing different approaches from, from people. Yeah, uh, so of course, I mean, it always depends on your budget and how much are you ready to go for the pain of pretty much finding out what you want, right? 
Um, but my recommendation is always to take the long tails as exact match because this is where it's going to get cheaper, but this is also going to help you to get the sales velocity keep, uh, going and also keep on having a low ACoS or pretty much a good ACoS depending on where is your gross margin, right, on the product. But those high search volume, and let's take them into the scenario where it's a new listing, you always have this honeymoon period where your listing is going to get tested by Amazon, but also by the Amazon advertising um, system, where both of them are going to see how much is your product desirable, so to say. Uh, mm -hmm. So I definitely would go both sides with having uh, some campaigns with, again, depending on how much do you want to limit your budget on those high search volume, but also high bids uh, with broad match or phrase match uh, terms and on your long tails. You can go uh, quite well, but also making sure that you can have like different ways. Either you put like 10 to 15 keywords per ad group. Let's say that you have one uh, campaign, one ad group, and 10 to uh, 15 of those long tails or mm -hmm. mid tails. And then you just develop like this. So pretty mm -hmm. much you're going to lift over all your budget and all your costs between those short tails, high bids, and high costs, and those long tail low revenue or low orders but at least low acos i see so you mix and match that's what i'm yeah. hearing exactly yeah. okay because i had i had another guest and his approach was you are better off going after these short tail keywords in your advertising yes you're gonna have to bid higher in order to get the, the your you know higher position but at the end of the day, they because they have a lot more volume, you are going to get more orders. And because of those orders that you get, your rank will improve. So then you can ride on, on your higher rank going forward. Of course, you, you this is not a winning strategy as a permanent uh, approach. It's just to give it a boost. This way, you know, even if you lose money, in fact, uh, his episode is titled... Uh, uh, making money by losing money uh, so it's uh it's because if, if you did this on google it wouldn't have any impact but because google is you know there's no ranking there's no nothing so to speak but on amazon if you increase your order flow uh, then obviously that improves your rank and in the meantime if you're targeting those keywords then you are going to get somewhat of a recognition for those keywords so in the long run it does pay off what what do you say about that strategy is that something that you use from time to time yeah so i mean in my case and because i'm not a seller but i'm working for a corporate so we have we see of course things differently and uh but we still do have like of course numbers i mean to bring back right i mean it's not like we have unlimited cash flow uh so of course i mean we have profit we have a profitability to keep on having a look at uh but definitely in the launch phase yes we go very aggressively on this uh just like i mean your former guest i mean shared that's definitely something that you should i mean if you can again uh depending uh if you are an independent seller and how much budget you have in front of you but you definitely with a new listing and for launch you should definitely go quite aggr aggressively in the beginning to maximize your ranking, your orders, and rank as fast as possible. Otherwise, you could indeed end up in a situation 
when you're going to get stuck pretty much in the limbos and never going to be able to come back. Even though Amazon tends to say, we look at the data from the last 60 days. So we're constantly analyze and pretty much see the, the, the desirability of your listing over time and each and every 60 days. So you need to stay consistent, but yes, okay. But from my experience and my experience is what it is from the last three years, um, most of the time, if your campaigns, but also if your listing is starting to get inside the limbos, coming out of it is going to be pretty painful, but also might not come back because the data is pretty much kind of dirty, so to say. Um, and your campaigns are pretty much flagged by the algorithm as not pretty working well or not so attractive, and you're pretty much stuck there. So... Yes, if you have the uh, budget, go for it. Be aggressive uh, when you have this, um, again, honeymoon period. Uh, if you can, just do it. Uh, you should indeed aim for ranking as high as possible on those short tail keywords. And this is actually what I've done past the two weeks on the new listing that we have launched. Mm -hmm. So you, I heard you say something. If you are in a limbo, what does that mean? Is it a campaign not converting? Is that what you call a limbo? Uh, what I call a limbo is pretty much when your listing is, uh, so you have at Amazon this flywheel effect, and then you have the other way around, right? So where you pretty much fall down. Uh, so this is what I call, I mean, getting inside the limbos. It's where your listing is really starting to derank massively week after week. And your campaigns, because you just want it to be very uh, conservative or not really being efficient or aggressive with them, just don't really pick up. So all, everything is just starting to go down pretty much. Nothing is going to come back. So sometimes, even if you go very, very aggressively sorry, with your bids, uh, the impressions simply do not come back. Uh, they don't come back or... Amazon doesn't really give you another chance pretty much to come back to it because you have basically two different systems. You have the A9 system and then you have the Amazon ads system. And so mm -hmm. both of them work hand in hand, so to say. And the Amazon ads algorithm is just going to see, okay, this campaign ID has this history and it doesn't work out or this campaign doesn't work out anymore. It's pretty much gone. So then you would have to pretty much archive and try again and see if it works uh, with maybe the help also with a coupon or something to try to revive your whole listing to try to come back uh, and need are to build again data over time. Are you referring to the campaign that uh, it doesn't work and then you you archive the campaign and you create a new campaign? Is, is yes. I see. Okay, so, so this is very... Uh, to me, it's it's significant information because what what you are saying is your listing on its own with the A nine algorithm. You may be doing well, but your ad campaigns, if they built up history that is not good, then Amazon will simply never let it come back. Then you have to stop and start a new campaign. Is that is that what what you're referring to? Yes, sometimes this happens, but this also happens the other way around when you have a very good campaign that you should be careful with this because it built up also a very good amount of data over time. Yeah. Uh, also, the other way around is also very important. So really what, what I'm getting from you is 
you should check your ACOS and everything else and then make sure that your campaign, and we're talking about the individual campaigns. They are working, performing well, but at the same time, you also have to be monitoring your sales rank because sales rank is the indicator of your overall listing. And even though your campaigns may be working, your sales rank may still be dipping, right? So um, so then afterwards, like if we talk about the uh, best set of rank, so the best set of rank sometimes can go down, but your uh, sales can go up on the advertising side because you have a lot of different components, right? I mean, you're not alone on the market. Let's say that um, you have, you're in the beauty section and you're selling a very specific niche type of product in the beauty section and your total BSR is kind of flattening or actually decreasing. But maybe on top of you in the very highest health and beauty section, a lot of products are generating a lot more orders, but also a lot more revenue than you. Doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing bad. It's just that the old category inside the overall category, your product and your ASIN is pretty much like declining in the overall best set of rank. But then you need to reconsider your situation in your niche and your subcategories, depending on how do you did you select them. Then that's a very different situation. Mm, but there is and but yeah, I mean, sometimes we also have the situation where the overall listing is kind of going down, but the uh, AZ is, but the campaigns are going up in terms of performance, because there is always kind of this gap in between where you're building up sponsored revenue, and where mm -hmm. the total, say, organic revenue of your listing is not going there yet, because your ranking on certain keywords might not be there yet, so you need to build it up over time and track down those two components also with the correlation between sponsored and organic ranking on nice. uh, those terms. So, so the goal, a, a, a true winning strategy is really what, what I'm, everything that I'm hearing from you is to have focus in your campaign to not necessarily look at the BSR because the BSR may, by the time you throw in everybody else into the mix, the category may do well. And then uh, and in reference to the overall category, you may not be doing well, but the campaign may be doing well. But if you are focused on which keywords you are capturing that, that you're getting the Amazon choice badge for and things like that, uh, that's what matters because that's where you're building the, putting up the building, right? Brick by brick, it's keyword by keyword. And if you're doing well on those, um, and also your, I guess, your product page, if it's converting well, uh, then you'll be okay in the long run. Is that is that the, the plan so much? Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's what you also see, like from a data perspective, when you see that a lot of people clicked on your ad or clicked on your page uh, and they don't convert or pretty much your click-through rate is very high. So your desirability is very high, but your conversion rate is pretty low, then there might be a gap somewhere. So it's either in your listing, in your pictures, maybe you lack some content or something yeah. that is going to give the, the very last words of the consumer, which is to buy, right? At the very end, I mean, we all buy. We decide with our credit card, cash, you name it. Um, 
but so yeah this is definitely also something to keep in mind uh, at the very end is to pretty much rank and the more you rank means also to the system at the very end for amazon is that you are very desirable for the consumers and because there are so much consumers focused at the very end if your conversion rate and click-through rate go really well hand in hands then with your campaigns building up keywords by keywords rankings as you just rightfully said yeah. you're going to build up your empire over time pretty much yeah yeah that's uh th this is cool so yeah, this is, and of course, PPC will facilitate getting there. Uh, it, I want to ask you also, in in uh, Thrasio, do, I don't know if you have, uh, if you like, uh, guidelines or criteria for launching these campaigns in terms of setting budgets. So how do you guys set a PPC budget uh, in terms of over time? Yeah, uh, so in the very early ages of a product or let's say of a new brand coming in, so we will figure it out, uh, the budget, by looking at the existing performance, but also the, existi the existing spend that has been done for a very specific amount of time. So looking also at seasonality because we also have some products that have seasonalities. So from there on, we have a collaboration with a dedicated team that is analyzing the business. So taking it from a very pure PL perspective, looking at you know all the all the associated cogs of an item, but also all the different spends that went from a quarter to a quarter, even like to a very specific week. Or you let's say if there was a specific prime day, we pretty much know how to determine okay, how much spend do we need to allocate in percentage to this very specific ASIN on the given week. Uh, that's for the existing portfolio. Mm -hmm. But now that we, let's say that we have a new product, then that's going to be, of course, a very different kind of thing where we are going to see the evolution uh, for the first like three months, let's say, of the uh, product. How much did we spend and how much did the organic rank, but also the organic total revenue developed. So then we can see and also pretty much... Um, Get, I mean, not guess, but actually properly calculate how much spend do we want to allocate on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, and so on and so forth. So this is going to be, in the very beginning, it's going to be pretty much not so well like allocated. It depends like from a brand to a brand, but also ASIN to ASIN. Uh, it's no exact science sometimes. So it will mostly depend on the expected calculations that have been done also from the product launch team and also on the expected KPIs like revenue contribution profits mm -hmm. uh, that are going to be reached by the end of the quarter or pretty much by the end of the year because we also have yearly calculations also on yeah. numbers. So I, I heard, I mean, I understand there is no standard answer. And of course, for an existing listing it's a different situation than a new listing. So uh, we are still under that scenario where we are launching a new listing. So let's cover that scenario because I want the listeners to get some idea about how to plan for this. So um, what I heard you say is first three months, you don't know. 
right? So there is no setting budget, so to speak, in the first three months, because all you are doing is you're throwing a bunch of things at the wall and see what sticks. That's that's what you're trying to do. And then at that point, you know, like as you mentioned earlier, you have auto campaign, you have the uh, broad match. So you, you are going to optimize based on what's uh, what's producing. So what I would like to recommend to my clients is as a percentage of revenue, be prepared to spend so much in advertising and then for every dollar you spend, then expect to generate X number of dollars. So if we put it in those terms, can you share with us what kind of results you are used to achieving in month one, month two, month three? Um, honestly, I don't know those numbers at, uh, at Fresio exactly. Like, uh, I really have to be honest. I don't really know those exact like percentage numbers. Um, so, I mean, I had like very few product launches, I mean, on my side, um, to be clear <laughs> at Fresio. So I cannot really, I mean, except like just one, but, uh, that was like maybe three weeks ago. Um, mm -hmm. Otherwise, uh, yes, I would definitely agree with you, like generally speaking, and to keep it general, uh, that in the very beginning, and again, it depends like on your products and on your gross margin from the very beginning, but you would definitely have in the very beginning, at least, let's say 70% of your sponsored product, I mean, of your sponsored revenue coming in. So expectedly a cost at break even, uh, pretty much, or at least try to keep it at break even or around your break even. And normally, if you stay aggressive like this, by let's say, and if you rank correctly by three months, normally you should be at 50 50, or and if you are very doing really well, you should be around 35 40% sponsored revenue and therefore decrease your cost and be a bit more mindful about your ACOS and TACOS for sure. Okay. Okay, so uh, you are not too far from what I always uh, set as expectations. So uh, let me tell you what I. This is not something that that I I do myself in terms of running the campaigns, but from business planning perspective, knowing all the moving parts and everything, uh, this is what I recommend in terms of what the seller should expect as well as what the person who is running the PPC campaign should try to accomplish. So I say for every dollar you spend in month one in advertising, expect to generate a dollar in revenue, which I believe you called it break even, right? Yeah. So the sellers listening, you know, when they hear a oh, break even the first month, they will be all happy, oh, break even. But in, in seller's eyes, break even means, you know, selling uh, a price minus the cost of the merchandise minus that's not what we're talking about <laughs> so break even means uh, spend a dollar in advertising generate a dollar in revenue right yeah it's really i mean going like eating your whole cross margin pretty much like really going at yeah pretty much zero profit yeah yeah so i mean they'll be bleeding uh, when they break even in advertising terms so month one Spend a dollar, generate a dollar in uh, revenue. 
month two, expect to spend a dollar and generate and expect to see $2 for every dollar you spend. And then by month three, expect to spend for every dollar, generate three to four dollars in revenue. So if you do this well, then over three months, you will have achieved 25% of your sales will be spent going forward, it will be spent on advertising. And and then you will know exactly what is working, what keywords are converting and, and others. And you will have built some kind of history that will help you get your campaign optimized even further. And then going forward, that 25% can go down further depending on your price point, your how your uh, product page is converting and everything else. So um, what is your take on this approach for a new launch? Is it doable? Um, yeah, I mean, depending on your budget and how do you fix and see also your pricing, because that's also, I mean, as you just said, like it's a very big component also of your whole strategy, right? I mean, a lot of people also evolve their campaigns, but also evolve the whole launch also with the pricing going higher yeah. over time, of course, because uh, you need to be more competitive in the beginning, but um, over time, yes, uh, this is definitely something that is definitely going to work. If your product is really, again, starting from the consumer perspective, desirable, and right. they right. they choose it because that's also, I mean, I mean, at the end, the consumer decides. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you you need to you need to have done your homework to make sure that there is going to be a demand for this item. There is that the keywords will have enough searches and your price is competitive, right? If it's not competitively priced or you are offering value and things like that. And, and then of course you have to have your product page properly designed, your pictures, your A plus, <laughs> all yeah. those, we are assuming all that work is done. This is just on PPC. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. also, I mean, to add to this, I mean, I also usually just say to the people, just, you know, PPC is the very last stage of the rocket and pretty much putting the fuel inside the rocket. Yeah. Um, but if you don't do all of those elements, so first thing first, like the SEO, the pictures, everything, if your pricing also is not adjusted correctly. I can throw as much PPC money as I want. It's not going to work out. And I've seen it in the past so many times. Uh, it's actually doing the other way around. Like it's pretty much like putting up the gas pedal and looking at the wall and just going straight to the wall and just be like, I hope it's going to work out. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, just, I mean, the first steps are definitely going to be a huge like, I mean, this is going to be the fundamental, the fundamentals, sorry, uh, of everything that are going to help you then afterwards with PPC. PPC is pretty much going to put a bit of push in the back and mm -hmm. help you activate the whole flywheel effect by promoting your listing and showing your listing and giving more visibility towards customers of your product and your offer. But at the very end, if your offer doesn't work or was not well made from the very beginning, it's not going to work out. It's just like if I would bring up, I mean, my friend who is 
not looking well and throwing him to you know someone and just be like yeah hope it's gonna work out yeah yeah you know yeah. just show yourself at the best yeah definitely i mean you need to there is quite a bit of work that goes into creating a listing and uh, a lot of people also they tend to rush and say, oh, let's get the listing up. Let's get the listing up and let's start the campaign and let's see some sale. Doesn't It just doesn't work like that. Plus, you're building up history with Amazon where you simply demonstrate that this listing doesn't work. And then you need to get into this relaunch mode, right? So there is a huge advantage in launching a listing from scratch. It has no history, no nothing. You'll get the honeymoon period. But if you're doing that, does not yield the results to get you somewhere in the ranking, then you have to do a relaunch. Now you are fighting against your past. It's like going to jail and having a conviction record. <laughs> um, and on top of that, I mean, it depends on where you are. In, because, I mean, for me, as I've said, you know, I'm just like an employee of this massive company that is Frasio, right? So I'm pretty much on my safe side. But if you are a seller, if you are an, uh, an entrepreneur, you also have to keep in mind that also business-wise, this is going to be also massively impacting your business. Right. I mean, going through a relaunch, meaning that you pretty much have to restart again, hold the whole process that we just said before, right? I mean, just re-engaging yourself in front of Amazon with the algorithm, spending a lot, expecting, and also like maybe your reviews are going to get pretty much like in the trash. So you have to start all over again, this whole process. So you're losing time also business-wise, which is very much damaging also for your cash flow. So, it, I mean, yeah, do your homework before. Do your, your homework well before, you know, just going inside the PPC and everything. So that's definitely very important yeah so i have one other difficult question to ask you uh, give us your best answer it doesn't have to be precise so we established that month one spend a dollar generate a dollar month two spend a dollar generate two dollars uh, so on and so forth so that's fine so how much is enough in that first month so because i say okay then here is hundred dollars let's spend a hundred let's generate hundred dollars let's see how it goes so it, there, there is a critical mass you have to achieve right so you can't just spend those little nickels and dimes so uh what is a minimum that sellers should expect to spend uh oh i mean that's the big question right i mean especially yeah. now i mean look uh the times the times of launching, I mean, with $3,000, $5,000, a whole Amazon business, not talking about like PPC, right? Yeah. Uh, are pretty much gone now, especially regarding the CPC costs, depending on your categories, just jumping like by 20 to 30%, like almost year over year uh, from category to category, depending on where you want to go. Yeah. Um, but okay, uh, depending on your pricing, I would say roughly nowadays and now, that I'm looking at more now that I'm thinking more and more about it. Yeah. You should think about the first month with at least, I would say $3,000 uh, would be yeah. a good number. Okay. Uh, depending on, again, depending budget, price, category, subcategory you want to get for and mm. average CPC for this category. But yeah, I would say you should count at least two to 3,000, like bare minimum. 
Okay, that that's a that's a fair number. Uh, so uh, it's I mean, listen, if you are looking to launch a brand, this is intellectual property, right? So you're gonna build a brand equity. So this this does not happen if you can't spend a few dollars here and there, and really spending two three thousand dollars on advertising on brand new launch. That's a if, if you can't afford to do that, you really have to think twice. So uh, this is totally a, a number that, that I've come across several times. So I have another question for you from a strategy standpoint. So as you know, there is external traffic that Amazon rewards you for uh, yes. through brand referral bonus program. So I've seen, again, two approaches to this. Some people say, no, stick to PPC, Amazon PPC only, because you know that people on Amazon are there to buy merchandise. So if you advertise to them, your conversion rate is going to be far greater. Uh, and then you rank much, much better versus external advertising where people that you may bring from Google or Facebook or Instagram or whatever are not necessarily buyers looking for products. So by flooding your listing with those visitors, your conversion rate is going to take a dip and therefore it's going to affect your ranking badly. Uh, so what is your take on, on those two approaches? Um, yeah, so I'm going to give you pretty much the worst answer. It depends. <laughs> so, um, being a former, con uh, being in the, a former sales consultant, uh, this is pretty much. I mean, the worst, the sales consultant answer or consultant answer. It depends. But um, I, what I would recommend is, depending on your product, let's say that your product is very much uh, in the form of commoditized relationship. So let's say that I'm selling. The usual example that everyone gives, which is, um, you know, uh, how is this called again? Not the the garlic press. Okay. Uh, so let's say that I want to sell a garlic press. Um, it's not lifestyle. It's pretty much commoditized. And the pricing is a pretty much a race to the bottom. Um, sending out external traffic is definitely not going to help you. Uh, I think that is might help you or give you a bit of push like for a moment but on the long run i don't know if it's really going to work out but if you're more a lifestyle product let's say for beauty section or for um any form of products that have more lifestyle lifestyle but also an aspirational intent to buy or even like if it's for fitness or something like this i would say 50 50 or even like uh 70 30 because we have, again, coming back to this product launch that we had three weeks ago, we got the best seller badge by having pretty much 70% PPC and 30% TikTok. And this is the fastest best seller badge we have ever had in the history of the brand. So, but it's a lifestyle brand. But mm -hmm. so you need to, I mean, again, like put yourself in the shoes of the in the consumer yourself like very close to the consumer and look at your data and think again what is your product and what's your brand so you can think the strategy ahead um 
So that's not really, I mean, the, the nice and easy answer, but I would say that, yes, this is definitely something that you can do and that you should try because most of the time also we see that uh, CPMs, vCPMs uh, on other platforms are way cheaper, that you can have a broader audience or maybe the audience that you really want to target and reach for. And therefore, maybe you should try to get them and pretty much send them to your Amazon listing because at the end of the day, those people are going to go to your listing and they're going to decide if they want it or not. So, and you can still acquire them maybe for cheaper than, uh, than on Amazon. But uh, CPC still matters because again, you have those two Amazon bra uh, brains and those two brains, which is the A9 and the Amazon advertising brain, so to say, work together and only have one priority, which is the consumer. Yeah. So, okay. So, the depending on what kind of product you are selling, this is definitely an option. At least I'm not, I didn't hear you push back on it. I didn't hear you share too much concern on the rank taking and nosedive. Uh, in, in, you are you are for it. You just need to watch the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. So it can happen. So and indeed, I mean, like I would be very careful with this again, depending on the category and what type of product you have and what's the brand message overall or how do consumers react to your advertising. Because if you see that indeed, if you throw a lot of external traffic and it doesn't convert, then that's also a very big signal to Amazon. Okay, we are getting a lot of people onto the platform, but we cannot retain them. Because of course, Amazon is always focused on the consumer because the consumer then buys and they get, of course, their commission, right? It's also, I mean, their business. So if you send in people, but in the end, they don't convert it's pretty much like sending you to a store and you come out as an entrepreneur i've pretty much lost my money if i am the amazon shop on the street corner and someone comes in but doesn't convert and i see 1000 people coming in but not converting at some point i'm going to have some thoughts about your product in my shop yeah. so this is definitely a risk but yes i wouldn't push it back it always matters at some point to get some more external traffic and some boost on this side Hundred percent. It always depends, again, on how do consumers react. The whole thing, and we always come back to it, is the yeah. consumer. So you know, ever since we started this discussion, everything seems to come back to the same thing, and that's the conversion, right? Yes. So you have to track conversion. So this is another thing: tracking conversion. Is and I'm I'm not talking about tracking conversion on the advertising data. I'm talking about conversion on your product detail page, especially if you first of all, if you're bringing external traffic, you have to use attribution, right? So you know where it's coming from and where you're spending the money, and most important, uh, what is converting, which external traffic source is generating the most. And but at the end of the day, it's your overall because you also have your organic traffic. So you've got three different types of traffic, categorically speaking, paid Amazon traffic. You have the ex paid external traffic and then you have the organic traffic. 
and put them all together, they all come to the same place, which is the product page. So therefore you have to uh, keep monitoring what your conversion is on your product detail page at all times. And this does not happen just by looking at one downloaded report. It, you have to look at it in perspective over time, right? Yes. Uh, you cannot take in everything just, I mean, in one silo and in just in one nutshell. You always need to keep, I mean, the view, holistically speaking, of course. Um, where this happened to me, actually, uh, with, a, with a brand where I was so much focused in my own PPC world that I sometimes you kind of forget the big picture because this is my world, right? I mean, I'm just only stuck in my PPC bubble, so to say. Um, so the whole problem with this is then at some point you forget like the point of the reality, which is to rank and get organic traffic. Because if you constantly pay to play, then at some point that's great for Amazon, but not for you. Exactly. <laughs> right <laughs> so you're here to make money i mean i believe that if you're an entrepreneur i mean you're pretty much profit driven right so um that's definitely something that you should keep so and to come back to the situation that i had is that yes my numbers look great but the overall profitability was starting to kind of flatten or get a tank and was starting to decorrelate from the sponsored revenue where actually my conversion rate pretty much remained a bit higher or the same, but my sponsored you know, revenue started to overtake the overall revenue. So then you see a rising take us, so total advertising cost of sales, and your organic revenue is starting to take a dip and the profitability is also starting to take a dip. Mm -hmm. Why? Because the whole ranking and the whole keyword ranking, sponsored ranking, was starting to take over completely the organic position of my pay of my listing on my main keywords, meaning that people went to the page, clicked on my advertising, and bought the product. But the very beginning and the why we do PPC is actually to rank organically. So then people search, find your product organically, mm -hmm. and buy. But where my ranking between sponsored one and organic one were so close that actually people constantly went to the sponsored one, but not to the organic one. So that's a very small example that I can give you right here, but that's always something that I think Amazon entrepreneurs should always keep in mind is just track your, uh, track your rankings and make sure that you don't go into a vanity metrics where your, comp uh, where your campaigns are performing or like extremely well, but you kind of forget the whole intent of why you do such type of thing. So make sure that the organic is correlates or actually at some point overtakes. Uh, I mean, that's actually the whole point, right? I mean, to rank so then you can overtake and make profits. So the trick to getting organic to overtake the paid is conversion because if your product page is from behavior standpoint, if it's converting well, that means that people who land on your page are, the page is doing its job 
to convince them that this is a good product and it's a good purchase and a good price, buy it. And they're buying it. So if you are achieving a good conversion rate by design, every paid click on Amazon platform generates, in my experience, you tell me if you are seeing the same kind of results, but between three to five organic clicks. So Amazon, I mean, this is, I don't want to call it pay to play, but it is pay to play. In other words, if you just do, unless you have like huge Instagram followers and then you unleash them all to your listing, you're not going to get any business organically. You're going to have to spend advertising. But Amazon rewards you if you advertise by sending you organic clicks. And uh, so therefore, if your conversion rate is good and healthy, you will capitalize on those organic clicks that you're getting automatically. So technically, if you've done the job right to create a converting product page and you've got your content good and everything else is good, your pricing is good, this scenario should never really occur. Your paid revenue should always be uh, trailing behind organic revenue. But this is a very good red flag for you to share with us for people to watch. Uh, that means that something wrong with conversion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so definitely, I mean, 100% with you on that, that's definitely uh, the conversion rate is pretty much going to dictate you're going to win or not, like, right? And you always have, I mean, sponsored conversion rate and organic conversion rate. But at the very end of the day, yeah, the conversion rate of the overall listing is going to dictate uh, if your product is going to make it or not. And you can also see it, I mean, with your competitors, looking at new reports that we have, that's the ones that get the biggest click share, so that are the highest desirable, but also the ones that account for the highest amount of conversions definitely have a higher conversion rate than you at some point. They are more yeah. desirable. So that's definitely a big point uh, to, I mean, that's, yeah, it's 100% true and valuable. Um, the only, uh, so the whole like situation and story that I just shared before is like to make sure you to spend accordingly and not to go and overkill on sponsored, uh, on sponsored revenue because at some point you have a point of efficiency, you have a pivot of efficiency that is going to get lost and yeah. where your whole sponsored revenue might actually overkill your organic revenue. And so you're great at advertising, but you're actually so good that you just want to keep on pushing on the gas pedal, but you're actually jeopardizing your organic revenue. So yeah. always keep in mind, I mean, the point of efficiency of your overall like business and your product so you don't overkill everything by just being very, yeah, very proud and very bold with your PVC revenue and just keeping on pushing on the gas pedal. There is a point of efficiency that it's that it's going to get lost at some point, and you're just going to pretty much shoot yourself in the foot. So be careful. Yeah. So uh, you know there is a an old saying that you can't keep a windmill going by carrying buckets of water <laughs> so you know those water mills that's a very so, good one i like it yeah so uh, at some point in time the wind has to pick it up and then keep it going you can't be just constantly you know making it turn 
this is uh, extremely valuable, Louis. I mean, this is uh, this is the kind of stuff. I know that I, I ask you uh, to give us numbers, but the numbers that you've given, even though you know we don't want anybody to take them, you know, literally, uh, but it gives an idea because there are a lot of people changing circumstances. Amazon policies are changing. So where do we start? How, how do we budget? How do we plan for this? What should be the expectations rather? So uh, this will be great. So uh, let's talk about you a little bit. So uh, enough of the PPC talk. So tell us, um, I want to take you all the way back to your early days so that we want to learn uh, about your life experience. So uh, sure. where did you grow up? I, I grew up so in the suburbs of Paris uh, in a town called Villeneuve-Saint-Georges. I mean, that's actually where I'm born. So that's pretty much a city that is 35 minutes away from Paris in France. Uh, that's where I grew up, um, like in this area. So in the southeast of Paris, that's where I grew up, yeah. So... Uh... Growing up, were you a numbers person, or what? What were your interests as a kid? Um, honestly, I no, I didn't grow up uh, much uh, a number person. I have to say, I kind of became a number person for various reasons, like later over time in my life. Uh, but no, I've always been extremely curious. You would have always found me in the library, taking random books, especially history books, hard books, or any type of books pretty much that rose my curiosity. And I'm still working like this pretty much, always driven by curiosity, uh, which is a very tough area for me because right now you have unlimited access to anything. <laughs> so now, actually now you need to be more a curator or a moderator of anything that is thrown at you or that algorithms can filter for you. Um, but, yeah, when I was a kid, like there was no internet at home back back in this time. So uh, my home library, so my parents pretty much books or what my grandparents were buying me in terms of books were constantly filling me in. And I was actually like the one constantly driving my grandmother to museums because I wanted to get more and more and more and more. I was just constantly hungry for for more information, more knowledge about anything. Do you have any brothers, sisters? Yeah, I have a little sister. She is 22. So uh, was she like you also, or you were the only one? Um, I'm pretty much the only one. I'm pretty, uh, I mean, actually, I got this type of mindset and behavior from my father, but my sister is different from me from this perspective. So uh, you, you, uh, First of all, this skill or characteristic is perfect for Amazon because curious mind is always learning, right? So uh, learning is always needed with Amazon. So it, it's perfect uh, place. So where do you think that curious mind come from? I, I, you know, you mentioned your father was the same. So did did he? Do you remember any, how, how did you get to be curious? Um, I think that it came from the fact that I've always seen uh, my parents reading, uh, but also constantly sharing new ideas uh, around the dinner table all the time, or just talking about a lot of things that I don't know. So I was constantly asking questions and 
being constantly okay but what does this word means or actually just you know nodding my head and just pretending so pretty much playing repeat or fake it till you make it and just like constantly <laughs> going into books and just trying to add something to the conversation i think that it's pretty much a kid behavior that they just want to get loved we all want to be loved and have attention right so by contributing to the discussion and just having an interaction with your parents definitely drives also the fact that you want to get also this whole attention and love from, from your parents by having this, uh, but also just the love of being constantly discovering new things in your environments uh, also, I believe. So seeing your parents read all the time uh, was the, really, they, they led by example, you know, they wanted. So uh, tell me this. So if you, I mean, one of the things that happens is once you start reading and you start learning new stuff, you start to form your opinions. So uh, did you did you have any occasions where you started to share your opinion, but it was not agreed and it was a disagreement? So did they, they I guess what I'm asking is, did they teach you how to be disagreeable? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, we disagreed like plenty of times. I mean, I have a, I mean, I have a family that has a very broad uh, political environment, uh, so to say, like in opinions. So that's definitely something that they kind of teach me, but also that I've seen like constantly. Also, between my parents having like uh, very polite, of course, like uh, very polite. Uh, arguments or pretty much like discussions and knowing how to forge an opinion but also pretty much defending your opinion but also accepting different perspectives and also changing and also accepting uh, to change your opinion right and that's what I what I got from them but also what I keep on having as a professional that what you think might be true is actually not the case and I mean I'm three years in this job now, Nick, and I keep on getting back to school. I mean, I, <laughs> you know, I mean, you can't, you constantly keep on changing your mind and visions of other things. And also the more data we get with those new reports and those new data points actually is making things more complicated, but actually keeping on reminding you that whatever experience or knowledge that you had built over time, like over the last three or four years, have pretty much no value. You constantly exactly. have to learn and come back. Well, I mean, don't, it, don't discount. I mean, it has it has some value, but definitely deteriorating value. So it's you know how it is. This is what I say. Knowledge is like uh, printing something on paper. The moment that you acquire it, it starts to deteriorate in value. So anything you put on paper is already outdated because there's a newer version. So um, going back to what I was saying, I think it's a huge um, value for someone to have, to be able to disagree without being disagreeable. So I think in this day and age, especially, you know, the, the very much uh, a polarized society we have become, uh, people have very quickly become disagreeable. I think disagreements are very healthy. 
because it gives a different perspective. Uh, people are often uh, afraid to use the word argument. Argument is not fighting. Argument is you, you give your argument on your opinion and somebody else. Uh, I, I always invite people with disagreements on a particular subject uh, to have an argument about it. You can debate both sides of it. And let's face it, there, this is not like science that there is a 100% proof that your opinion is right. It's, uh, but uh, it's, uh, it's great that your parents have given that to you and now you are actually capitalizing on it. So <laughs> yeah, it's um... the great way. Yeah, thanks. I mean, you know, I've always heard, I mean, I've heard like maybe a year ago from someone telling me, you know, having kids, it's 50% genes, 50% education. Right. So but I definitely agree with you. Like, I mean, that things are getting pretty much entitled, but also like very polarized and people don't really leave enough of space for the others to get listened yeah. to. So everyone is pretty much online or offline shouting at each other it's right. just like shouting but not really having a proper discussion but as long you know the way i personally see it is that as long as i give space to everyone to pretty much be themselves and be who they are with their opinions as long as they give me some space and don't want to attack me personally and if i don't take things so personal and also accept to give space to their opinions and ideas. And actually they also do the same thing. So we are pretty much giving space and free space to grow, but also accept each other in the space, in the physical space, but also in the opinion and idea space. But also this is how this whole society, but also our world became so good and also so developed. Yeah. Because if we wouldn't, I mean, if you look, at the evolution of mankind over time, the more we focus people into cities, but also spread it around knowledge through books, then with, digi with digital age and so on and so forth, with TV or radios, etc., the more we just like spread it around the knowledge and influenced higher intensity of communications, but also capacities for the people to share and also formulate opinions the better our societies grew and also performed, not only economically speaking, but also in terms of science, innovation, uh, culture. So I just think that people should just give more space to everybody, but also to pretty much put a step down maybe on their own ego and just accept also and make oh, yeah. space for everyone's opinions. You just said the magic word. You know, uh, Luis, what I'm hearing is uh, also a lot of the times when I say, when I'm hearing, when I'm hearing people communicate with each other, what I'm noticing is a lot of the people in communication with each other, they are not actually listening. They are waiting to talk. So if you don't even listen, and therefore not hear what the person is truly saying, then how can, how can there be a two-way communication, right? It's, uh, so they are, it's like, uh, you know, in, in one of my uh, workshops, uh, somebody said something about selling methods. 
So there's two types of selling, you know, selling by listening, and the other is selling by vomiting. So in other words, the salesperson starts blurting out everything about, mm. oh, you know, our price, our features, blah, blah, vomit, 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 vomit. And, uh, and then the person, so, you know, you, what, and, and what did you learn about prospect, right? Nothing. So that's the, the challenge. But, uh, you know, when the world is going through a phase, I'm sure people will, people will figure out and they always have and there's always and also you know i i'm, I'm very optimistic about most things um, other than just a few things here and there but if you look back 30 40 50 years 50 years really the world ha is much much better and the diseases and the overall nutrition and the cure to certain things the world is in a much, much better place, and but nobody's happy. <laughs> I, I, I read this thing, everything is wonderful, but nobody is happy. <laughs> we have the internet, we have technology, right? That's how uh, it is. <laughs> I mean, you know, coming from a friend, is, oh, I mean, coming from France, I can tell you one thing is that people tend to be very pessimistic. And actually... <laughs> I don't remember if it's true or not, so take it for what it is. But if I do remember correctly, people in Afghanistan were actually way happier than people in France. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. Look at it from a from a perspective, but also, you know, sometimes when you go back home and you had a tough day, this can happen to everybody. And this happens to everybody actually every day, regardless of the circumstances. But if you think about what are your problems and if you put it into perspective, if you live on the west side, I mean, on the western side of the world, you're already part of the richest people on this planet. I mean, the poorest person in Germany is already part of the top 10% richest people on this planet. So putting things back into perspective, you're going into a safe place where you have access to pretty much everything and where you're pretty much trying to find reasons to be unhappy rather than finding yourself happy with what you have, but also for who you are and the potential that is in front of you. In the end, it's, it's in your own hands. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to end it. So it's all up to you. We are responsible for our own experience on this planet. So, uh, Luis, this was great. So share with us your contact information. How can people reach you? Uh, well, I mean, they can reach out to me through LinkedIn. This is definitely the easiest way to do um, by just searching for Louis Roubert and basically on LinkedIn. Uh, that's the easiest way to reach out to me. And then afterwards, anybody who wants to reach out to me to chat or have any ideas or, or anything, you're pretty much welcome. I'm really happy I mean, to share with professionals if they need anything or just, you know, sharing just like different point of views again. I will give you space as long as you can give me mine and we can have a very good, healthy debate. I really love those ones. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you, Louis. This, is, this was great. I'm sure people will uh, take everything that you mentioned and put it in action. Thank you. Thank you very much, Nick. And this brings us to the end of another episode and I'll send, see you on the next one. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Be sure and subscribe, rate, and review our show. And be sure and share an episode with a friend. 
And thank you so much for being with us today. We'll see you next week here on Amazon Legends.